We running this, let's go. I'm on a boat, I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me, cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. Greetings everyone, welcome to episode 22 of Salt Ships and Scuttlebutt, a World of Warships podcast. First, I must apologise to our listeners for our Mr. Weekly one last week. We had our guests lined up, I was available, but um, my co-host, my co-host was... I don't know, how. Sh- uh, what, what were you doing this time last week, uh, Captain Green? Um, This time last week... Uh, I don't remember any of last weekend with it being the fourth. Uh, the only proof I have that I existed during that time frame is a video of me sh- without my shirt on shooting off fireworks. At my I'm glad you said fireworks. So I, I, I also, so last weekend I celebrated my birthday on January, or no, no. Drinking that toilet wine on center. Um, on Saturday, I was golfing, which meant I started golfing, and then we started drinking, and then I forgot that I was golfing. I remember getting home, passing out, and then I got up on the third. I remember just getting to my friend's house, drinking a handle of vodka, and then I think we went fishing, and that's all I remember. And then I woke up back at my house. Well, happy birthday, Greeny. It's nice to know that you got home safely on your birthday with your pants on for a change. <laughs> no, they, I lost the pants and the shirt, actually. But yes, I got home. Ah, oh, well, that, that is the reason why that we didn't record episode 22 last week. We still plan to go with our weekly format. So lo and behold, we're not changing anything. It was just a um, a little bit of an unplanned adventure. But we are joined this week by a very special guest. He has been in the clan with me previously. He is a submarine mate. No, he's a CV main. Do not let him play the Salem because he shows a broadside. I've got a beautiful clip of that. Welcome to Pikachu underscore level 32. Thank you. And yes, that was uh, a memorable moment uh, when Greifer drove by me in the Kremlin when I was in the Salem. (laughs) That was a fun game. We won. Yeah, it was. Um, so you've been playing World of Warships for how many years now? Um, I'm up to, I think about two years now. Yeah, about two years I've been playing this game. That's not a yeah, lot of time. How, how did years, you get into Wales? One month. So, um, when I was in grad, I played Dota and, uh, a little bit of Starcraft, but I got more into Dota and then getting out of grad and then moving down to uh, the promised land, sweet home, Alabama. Um, uh, I play, I was playing world of tanks, played it for like, I don't know. That's when I started playing world of tanks. I played it for like a couple of months, like in December, about two and a half years ago. And then I just randomly tried out ships like for, it was the, during the Venencia season. And um, that was my first clan battle season, and really when I started the game, uh, which I guess that was the clan battle season nine, I think, when the <laughs> when you spammed Venencia Stalingrad and people ran Haku. Oh yeah, I think. not fun, not fun. That yeah. was a terrible season. Was that the first CV season in clan battles? No, no, no that wasn't the no. first. But that that was the one that really 
broke a lot of players because there there are people like me who were playing Kremlin or something, and then it was oh yeah, uh-huh. Venezia came up and fifteen K'd you, even though yeah. you were angled and at nineteen <laughs> yeah. kilometers. Yeah, the two Venezias on your home cap smoking and kiting and using your smoke even though you had no AA. And then you'd have the CV generally on the on the aggressive side trying to farm down something. So someone was trying yeah. to farm down something, get a ship kill or two so you could turn around. It was one of the most unfun seasons on record. Mm. Well, that was my first season ever. Yeah, and what got you into the... Uh, the, the, the class that should get you sent into hell. You're, you're a CV man. So, your sins will be judged by others on the day of judgment. What got you into such a class? So, um, the clan that I joined was like, it was like right when I joined, um, there were some people that met, like started playing the game and I immediately was getting invited to clans by people, like low level clans. And so I joined this high gale like they finished storm three like on the final week like they just punch into storm um and basically um at the start of that season because you had to choose between battleship or carrier we were debating as to whether or not we should run a bb or we should run a cv and my whole clan was thinking bb and i just getting into the game, I'm like looking into tournaments and I found King of the Sea and other stuff because like I'm trying to see how the good teams play or just kind of see if I can glean information. And I found 07 from COTS because they were winning COTS quite a bit and at that time. And uh, uh, and so I ended up just randomly messaging Warlord, who is 07 CV main. And uh, Basically, he told me that, oh, you want to run Carrier, not Battleship, and preferably you want to run Haku. So then I took that back to our clan, and they confirmed that with like a couple other clans that CV was generally performing better than running a Battleship that season. Uh, and, um, and we didn't have a Haku player, so I my first ship was actually the Moskva, and... I just grinded up the hacker really quickly and uh, played CV that entire clan battle season for them, and that was my that was my introduction into to CV was that our clan needed a carrier. Um, we were told that carrier was stronger than battleships, and so I I was the guy that just like took that upon him, like okay I'll get it then if no one else has it. I blame so. that clan. That, that clan should should have questions asked of them, setting you down the dark path. <laughs> just well, say, see, we yeah, didn't even they're... know. We didn't even know about like, like the at least from what I I've seen, the lower tier clans literally have they're just they're clueless to a lot of the these game balancing discussions. Like we had no idea. Like our clan leader was convinced that carriers are were not op like he wanted to run battleship uh, mm. it took some convincing carriers but, uh, always more op yeah so you, you mentioned that you hail or you're living in alabama we're not going to ask how it feels to be married to your cousin but do you have um any local <laughs> greetings yourself, or <laughs> greedy we know you have no standards you'd marry anyone do you, ha- yeah. do you have any local greetings or a unique food or custom that is unique to alabama uh yeah so like when you greet another dude you give him a little butt tap you know just like a little spank 
It's like, you know, kind of a manly thing to do. Is that an Alabama ritual or is that yeah. a Pikachu ritual? Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, probably I more of a Pikachu just a ritual. Pikachu, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, that's uh... nice. Start off with sexual assault. That's a good way to start a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, we have really good barbecue. Uh, in Alabama. Now, a thing in the South is every state claims they have the best barbecue, um, but there are some differences. Like, so, like, I, I think it's South Carolina or North Carolina. They they say their barbecue is the best, and, but it's vinegar based. And I think vinegar barbecue is gross, personally. Uh, but a- Alabama does have very, very good uh, cooking, and they have very good barbecue. They have other good, uh, like shrimp and grits. Like that's a really famous dish down here. Um, you get grit but, from anywhere from the roadside, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of farming in Alabama too. So they have, like, it used to be when I was younger that uh, growing up in Alabama that you could like just drive down the road, you'd see farmers out on the road in a truck or something with like fresh watermelons. And I mean, you, you could get it for like a dollar, like a whole, like a watermelon yeah. and it tastes like, like 10 times better than the best grocery stores, watermelon because you're getting they, it directly from them. They'd but, still do that now. Cause it, it happens here in Australia. Yeah. Like um, there's always really? stalls at the end of a road for farmers and they sell honesty box. You just leave your money there. And mm, Oh, um, Wow. And it's the same thing up here in Mass. You you can't go ten feet without somebody fucking trying to sell chicken eggs or, or produce they grow in a, in their oh, really? backyard or something. That's still pretty good. But going back to we, we, we know that you perform the dark arts in this game. But in your experience as a CV player, CV and surface of vessel interaction are, are they actually in a good place currently in the game? All right, so I've thought about this a lot, um, this question, and I know I've heard a lot of different opinions about like what people say and whatever. And basically, how I see this topic is it's first off, it's the devs' game, like it's it's uh. And I don't, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do or trying to go for. Um, like it, I don't think they have made it really clear uh, to the player base. Like, like questions like this. Um, like in other games, like Dota or League of Legends or blah blah blah, it, the player base understands that like each character or hero uh, performs like relatively the same to each other where it's like, like my question would be like, so what is it for this game? Like, like, like are CVs supposed to be uh, the most powerful class like in real life or like a mothership in some space game or are they supposed to be uh just as influential as a single cruiser like i i don't know because like i feel like that's kind of the core of like what is not being made clear to the player base because like a lot of the reasons why player the majority of players are upset about carriers are the most uh 
they're 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 the highest performing class in the game. Mm. And and players are upset about that because I think subconsciously they think that each class, yeah, a single ship should be just as viable as the, each other in a class. And it's not. But like I don't know like like what are the devs trying to do? Like are, are is it supposed to be or or are they making it no we're wanting carriers to be the most influential just like they were in real life and just like you know a, a, like a mothership is in uh, a space game but how they had maybe that, how they're addressing that's, that is that's you know like you can only so. have one mothership just like you well, can only have like one cv you know is that what they're trying to go for i don't know it, well that's, there are some there are some games easy. where you get two cvs per team sorry green you go yeah i was just gonna say that's kind of I can see where you're coming from with that whole mothership slash kind of a centerpiece idea. Yeah. But I think that that's also not the best choice for a game that is a player base like World of Warships, just due to the pure variety of players that you can have. Yeah. And I, I don't think that you can sit here across from me and say that CVs are not a, a well-managed and a well-utilized CV can be the, or is the most influential ship in a match. And we saw it before uh, when there was a lot more CVs, and, we're, and we still see it now, where if there is a, mm -hmm. a divide in the CV players, um, it's not a fun game. And I think that no. as a company, Wargaming is trying to get to a place granted i can't speak for the company i don't work for the company i don't do shit for mm -hmm. the company I'm, I'm just a fat history nerd who plays a but, but if you're willing to sponsor him he's taking emails yeah, no i i'm a sellout i'll sell out but uh <laughs> no I, I i think i think that the end goal of wargaming is to get a balanced enjoyable experience across the board for all of the players That's I, I agree with that a few weeks ago when we talked to hadron they had a they had people from all across the board in programs like super test that's why there's a whole bunch of different levels of players across the board in a lot of wargaming programs i think that they're trying to cater to everybody and unfortunately i think that cvs currently and historically have always kind of been in a place that have been that has been difficult to both balance and difficult to integrate into the team environment in, into the game overall it has, and I, I won't stress upon it, but if there are no CVs, if I'm in a DD or a cruiser or a BB, you, you can pick and focus your targets. I can HE spam down a battleship, but you, you can hunt other DDs as a DD. You can, you can influence the game in your own way. Um, if you're in a div, it's even more influential. But when you have a, if you have a super unicum CV player, and that, that's someone that does high damage, kills, and wins the majority, versus someone who dabbles at tier 10 cvs and has a very low average damage that makes a marked difference when your bb gets literally clobbered in one or two passes from the enemy cv and your cv is dropping all these planes on the enemy halland um it's it, that that's that's a skill base I, issue and i've got nothing i can that, that's up to the player really that's a frustrating aspect of having such a strong class in the game I've, yeah, I've literally uh, had that experience this morning where I was playing a Conqueror and I just got ran over by a Nakamov. I, yeah. No matter what I did, the Nakamov just came and the Nakamov killed me. It didn't matter who I was near. It didn't matter what I was doing. The Nakamov just wanted me dead, told me he wanted me dead in chat, and killed me. You were selected. 
Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, I'm going to farm the Conqueror. I was like, you said that in all chat. He's like, yeah, so you know. I was like, oh, okay. And sure <laughs> enough, to his word, I was dead. Wow. That's pretty uh, arrogant or not kind that that dude does that. Well, I've had that and, happen and to me on stream. To rub it it's in like the... that, like say it. Like it's one thing if you're going to do it in game, right? But like to kind of rub it in the other player's face. like. And, and I think that... Granted, uh, and I'm not saying that that's the baseline interaction for all carriers, and I'm not trying to insinuate anything like that. But I, I was yeah. I mainly brought that up to illustrate the point that if a CV wants a target dead, it will kill the target regardless of the best attempts of the player. I, I agree, and that, this goes to my next question to pick up. What changes could possibly be made to make interactions between a CV and a surface vessel better or worse? Because... It seems at times that for a good player, the interaction is too easy. They farm and they win. For a poor player, they lose all their planes and it's not a good interaction. So what changes could we make to make this... Look, I don't want to make it easier for players that struggle because then good players even have an easier time. So can we... What, what do we do? Because if there's a skill gap in the CV player base themselves, um, and some of that is modules and consumables and captain perks... What do we do to make it a better interaction between surface vessels and CVs? Yeah, so um, so based off of what I said earlier, so this is with the assumption that you're trying to make the interaction equal. Because, like, I mean, I, I agree that I do not think it is an equal interaction. Like, how I see the game right now is carriers are basically like a mothership and they're the most influential class and so if we're wanting to kind of go with what some of the comments y'all the the stances that your opinions that y'all are sharing of that it should be equal and it's like it's unfair to give one player that much responsibility right like in a big multiplayer game uh i have two major thoughts um one of them is kind of more addressed towards clan battles, which I know we're going to probably talk about that soon. But like the first thing is that I, I think like, okay, there are situations with a destroyer where it like in clan battles without a carrier, like this season where certain destroyers can be put in situations where they're just useless battleships mm -hmm. can be put in the same situation where like hey my 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 destroyer in front of me just got just killed and i don't have cruiser support and they're and i'm just getting you know hunted down by a dd and like and in that case like he can't do anything right uh like because he has no tools to be able to spot uh no, but he, he does. He potentially has tools to disengage. There are islands joining. He can try, right? Yes, he can but try. like, let's say he's out in the open. Like, there's situations, right? Like, I'm, I, there's obviously examples where he can do something. I'm just saying that there are examples where he a battleship can't do anything to a destroyer. So for a, a CV, those amount of examples are much much fewer. Like by a lot, in my opinion compared to all the classes like even if you're going up against a situation where you theoretically or like it's really costly for you to strike some carriers can still guarantee a strike no matter what 
And uh, another, like I had a game this morning where I I didn't even, I, I think I did like a 10K salvo with Haku Rockets on a Polio, Emilio. And I forced him to smoke up because I was just mirroring him. And then I left him alone and then I knew he was trying to do something, but I knew his smoke was down. And then I came back and just spotting him, he died. So I, like, I literally had to give up like 30 to 20 seconds of my time to spot him. And I just, re- I, I, I just removed him from that game. And I, and I, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm doing fine. Like I got to play the, you know, the rest of the, the 17 minute game or whatever. I'm so sure you got reported. I <laughs> actually, I did. I don't think, but, uh, but basically, uh, just, there's just not for it to be fair. There are not enough situations in this game where you can completely, uh, shut down a cv Mm. and so one of them that i think would be helpful uh which you know you may have to do more than this is just one idea and this is kind of they had a similar concept like this with rts carriers but i think that there should be some ships specific ships that um, or maybe you could just make it a consumable thing that like when you if a ship with good aa and they pop defensive aa i think that it should be impossible or nigh impossible for a cv to strike like an open water like maybe a cv could maybe find a way to pop over an island and drop something like something situational but that's not even a thing like uh, you could have the best aa ship in the game fully aa specced and i can still get a drop off on you it may only be one drop but i i can still get one correct because the the aa interaction is only gonna hit as the planes leave yeah, I, like, I think the uh, second. Yeah, I think so that would be second, a suggestion. Oh, sorry, I'm very sorry. I have a little bit oh, of a good. delay here while I'm on center. But I just, I, 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 even, even if we got a super defensive AA, I, I don't even think that that's a healthy change or a healthy fix because then you're just going to have a whole bunch of ships and a whole bunch of people who don't have access to that consumable. Oh, the, the, the Des Moines yeah. popped its Uber AA. Oh, that's cool. I'll go farm the Conqueror. Or, oh, that's cool. I'll go kill the Ohio. Like, I don't yeah. care. I can come but back. The, the, the CV just can pick and choose its interactions much quicker and it, by extension, yeah. much easier throughout a game. And that is, I think, one of the keys of its power. The ability for a CV to swap map, swap sides of the map and still retain its striking ability and not take itself out of the fight is unparalleled. And I'll, yeah, I'll, add, I'll, map control. I'll add to that. If, if I div up with a CV player, a tier 10, for example, and I build a Halland or a, a Cruiser for AA, the minute if the, if the other CV player is breathing and they fly near me, they realize they're losing planes hand over fist. The CV will not come within me, near me, for um, the rest of the game unless he has to strike me. Like, once a player realizes what you have on the table, they don't throw planes away. Like, giving something a defensive AA is great, but that's only if the player is committed to striking you. Most CV players that realize that you have tools that can hurt his planes, he will go farm something else early. Um, farm something else and hopefully his team can hurt you enough that he can come back there, there's also a lot of CVs in the game that I don't think would be adversely affected by a mega defensive AA 
I mean, you you have you have ships like the Kaga. Cool. I just lost an entire flight. I don't care. I have two more on deck. <laughs> Nakamov skip you, bombs. Yeah, you have Nakamov, Chaklov, all of the Russian CVs, which can very easily strike outside of mid-range AA, which is where so, a lot of the Soviet CVs, Soviet CVs, yeah. and the super ships where you have the consumables. I could wipe out your torpedoes from the United States. Great. Two and a half minutes after you ro rotate everything else, they're up again and ready to do 40k damage. I yeah, even, even like Shokek and Haku, you can launch torps from a, a decent enough range that you're not going to get chewed up by the mid and close range AA. So I don't even think a, a mega defensive AA consumable but, would even but, be all that effective. Well, it, they would need to be able... What I'm suggesting is is they would need to be able to tweak it. So yeah. first off, the your your mid and close range AA is the most, it's the most useless AA. The AA that matters it's is long your range. long range AA. Yeah, and so... Um, what I'm saying is, is that they would need to change. What, that could be extending the range of AA uh, for for ships. Uh, well, even via this consumable, they would need to buff it to a point where a C, even a Nakimov with its long range skip bombers would would not be able to get a strike off when they yeah. pop it. Like I, that, I actually that think be, that's not a terrible idea. If you if your max range was six happen. eight. Yeah, if you pop yeah, this no, you're right. defensive AA. It doesn't AA. apply to every ship because, like, not every ship has defensive AA. But you, ha like, in my mind, b with how with how the game currently is, there, like, there, it's not even just carriers in my mind where there's issues with balance. There's a if they're trying to go for, like, each class should be equal. That, in my opinion, there's issues e even without CVs. Like, like every every single season. Uh, it's it's the same ships that are the meta. It, yeah. it, you know, there are ships like Zao, Hayate, Elbing, you know, Slava, Audacious, you know, GK, Reaper, Never get that picked. you just don't see ever. Or if you do, if you do, it's, it's as a meme or it gets farmed very quickly for those yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, or Yoshino or something. And, it, and the problem is, is that they they don't even regardless of class to class interactions within each class this game is not even evenly uh balanced and so like there's that and so and, and like the, the ways to address it is like oh we're going to ban ships or remove them or limit them why not just make them as equally influential as each other you know right because like each ship is going to have its own unique characteristics so for well carriers you, you mentioned that, and this is going to be one of my next questions, but all ships are apparently balanced for a 12 a V12, so what, why don't we see a Zao? If it's perfectly balanced for 12 V12, um, why don't we see these poorer classes or poorer vessels being selected mid to high tiers? Um, it, it takes a bit of skill, but some of these vessels are more designed for kiting, and something like clan battles or competitive or even ranked, the objective is to take the caps and get the points. Your objective isn't to be chasey, you can farm people. So uh, do they have to change some of these boats and even recommend which ones are stronger for these formats? So this is a good... This, I, I think it's a really interesting topic that we're leading to. I've thought about this before too. So I, I think the issue is, is that if... In their mind, they think the ships are balanced for 12v12. The reality is, is that they're not. Um, and so it, it, other successful video games, no matter the genre, it could be a first-person shooter. It could be a top-down game like Dota 
or StarCraft. It could be a, a popular mobile game like um, Clash Royale. And basically what all of these games do is they look at data and they look at it more comprehensive than this. But if I were to summarize it, they look at two sets of data, generally speaking. They look at the top 5% and then they look at the player base. And basically, World of Warships only looks at the player base uh, historically. Maybe they're making changes over the last like five months. You know, I don't know. But for the last like you know eight years, however long this game is around, they they only look at randoms battles and and to use that data to determine whether or not if a ship is balanced. And that is a, in my opinion, that is a an ineffective or a not productive metric to evaluate whether or not if a ship is good or not. Because a good player is going to perform well in a ship, no matter if it's bad or if it's good. You can look at that players like John the Ruthless, and they're going to have, and, and you can look at my stats in Carrier. I, you know, my stats with the Audacious compared to the Haku, they're really not that much different in randoms. But they're drastically different in clan battles. And that's because they're only looking at a specific game mode and they're only looking at the player base. They're not like what Clash Royale does when they make balancing decisions. And they're actually really open with this to the public. I play that game a lot. They, they balance stuff so that it's fair with the top 5%, right? So that they're seeing equal representation in the high leaderboards or the high trophy counts. But they also keep it in check so that it's also balanced to the regular player. And sometimes I've seen them, like they recently nerfed a character uh, that wasn't popular in the top 5%, but it was being overly used by the, 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 the player base. So they nerfed it to curb that. So they, I just don't think that they're looking at the right data when it comes to these decisions. Like I, I think they should be looking very closely at game modes like clan battle and seeing the, you know, the percentage rate of usage there uh, and, and, and performance. But you, you, uh, could argue, you could argue they do, and that's why we get ship bans. But as you well, said, that, recently, that's not a solution. That, that's, that's not a yeah, solution. Yeah, that's like something that they've recently started doing over, what, the last six months? You yeah, know? The, and the last time we had CVs in clan battles at Tier 10, it was pretty quick that the hack got banned, the FDR. Yeah. Um, I forgot the Immelman then got banned or wasn't yeah. there, but then we were left things like with the Audacious or the Immelman and yeah. what, everyone's going to take the Immelman. And it's not a solution, right? It's like, oh, we're just going to not let you play it. We're actually not going to balance the ship. So then you, you, then <laughs> you, you know? just rotate in the most remaining yeah. OPCV that's like, available to you. It's, it's yeah. not a hard, hard choice. Yeah. So like in Dota, if you follow the patch notes with there, they, they, they tweak their heroes twice a month. And like when a new hero comes out, it they tweak the crap out of it within the first two weeks after we, it's we, been released. This game gets so few tweaks. If, if yeah, ships this, are tweaked, this game is what a ship goes three years, and then maybe you'll get your yeah. But it's a, it's a base. HP it's increase yeah, or, HP increase you know. or main gun <laughs> reload decrease yeah. or increase. But they 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 don't really look sometimes at the mechanics for the ships themselves. What make them playable? Uh-huh. Like, why? Yeah, they don't ask the question why no one's taking these vessels. Yeah. 
Something I just like to briefly circle back to. Just uh, un- unfortunately, somebody w- uh, came into the dorm room, um, so I had to take my head off and uh, headset off and address that. Uh, I'd like to circle back to balancing all. Uh, from what I gathered, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like you're kind of advocating for balancing around competitive or balancing more towards competitive. Is that correct? So I would say that I think uh, that balancing it around the player base like in randoms is important and it should be done but i think like all like a bunch of the successful games that i've mentioned they don't only balance it off of the uh off of randoms so to say they also they, they they look at other things as well they don't just look at how does the ship perform in randoms they they look at how does the said hero or character perform in the top five percent how does it perform in in competitive and uh, as well so i think that that information should also be looked at is what i'm saying we we do have the issue of different tiers but if if we're looking at tier 10 or whatever season competitive is i don't disagree with that if if you look at the past seasons you take 30 percent of your data from that clan battle at tier 10 and 70 percent from randoms you can say, well, okay, why is everyone playing um, Muscovite or Napoli? And Napoli is it being strong in randoms. It's a very strong ship. Yes, it's one attainable via resources, but what makes it strong? Yeah. I, w- I won't even ask about... Um, I'm not even going to talk about super ships this season. They, they, made the it, they made it interesting, but very dull at the same time. The thing I'd just like to, to mention is that balancing... And I, I, I think I'll, I'm, I'm all for a split like that. Uh, you know, 60, 70, uh, or fuck 60, 70, uh, 70, 30, you know, I, I'm totally for that. But the second, a lot of games attempt to balance solely around competitive, um, in a lot of instances, granted there's been success stories, but in a lot of instances, the, the other game modes tend to suffer other than competitive. And unfortunately world of warships at the very least, in my opinion, and I know that this is shared by a few others does not have the competitive scene to fully support the game no it, it doesn't or, look if so. i'm i play ranked we're at whatever tier eight tier nine if, if we talked about you talk about clan battles picker if when ranked was tier 10 like in clan battles you never see as out and the amount of times i play ranked and you load in and the enemy team's got as two zows and you've got one in a demon you're like why in your right mind would three people take a zow out into a ranked at gold league it, you just go what are these people thinking like you would never you'd never see them and they're not a strong boat at times good players can make them work but i've i've seen poor boats played poorly and it's a hindrance so there there is i think we can delve for that further on it gets subjective yeah yeah like how you would implement this but one quick question before we move on to our agenda, and we're going to announce our Show Me Your Deck Pick winners. So that Green is going to do that a little bit later. In, in two minutes, uh, Picker, could you say how you could see CVs return to Clan Battles? Is it making a Tier 9 season of Clan Battles with a Tier 8 CV? How would you bring CVs back into Clan Battles? All right, so I actually have a little bit more of an extreme opinion with this. I think probably relative to people who do not like CVs and people that do really like CVs and think that they're fine or they should belong. So I don't even think it's about that conversation. I I like to think a little bit more bigger picture with this, but when I've played other games and have watched like 
massive tournaments like the international where the winning team takes home like 18 million dollars and stuff like that they all the, a lot of these games share a, a common element and that is uh the element of surprise right like where you can ambush uh like where the enemy team can't see something coming and the biggest difference I notice when after playing so many seasons of CV being the CV main and then now transitioning to playing surface ship over the last year, like that, that element of surprise is not there in a CV match. You can see deployments and you can see rotations and there's, and that just, it really, in my opinion, doles down the complexity of a competitive match. It, it feels less like a chess game and it feels more like a, a trade game, like who can trade better. Where I it's very like, much agree. Yeah. And so, like, in my opinion, if you were to put carriers in clan battles and in cots, which I want that as a CV main, I, I think that a CV should not be able to spot at all. I think that in order for a CV to spot a ship, the ship has to make the decision to turn on their AA in revealing the, their position. So They'd have to have a minimum distance, though, that the, the CV should be yeah, able to Yeah, but like, so a battleship could have their AA off at the start of the match, and a CV can fly over to the enemy side, and that battleship won't get spotted. I vaguely recall they tested something like this in a clan battle season where you kept your AA off and. Maybe they, maybe uh, from what I've been told, what they've tested is they've tested mini map spotting and they've tested uh, recently, they tested something where, um, so basically in mini map spotting, the CV still spots the ships. It's just to your allies, they only see it on the mini map. Makes no, with, with tools like Discord, it, it, I, I could, I could be in away a, the deployment. It, it does, away it the does. Element of surprise. That's that, that to me, that's not enough. But, but e they've even, also tested, uh, the other thing is, is they've done where it does spot it for your enemy ships, but it, it's a dispersion penalty to your allies. Like it, it, it just, yeah, you can spot them for your allies, but they're just, the dispersion's not as good or something. Like they've tested that apparently recently or yeah. something. But to me, I, that, that just like, to me, that doesn't address the concept. The core of, issue. You can't rotate yeah. your Maso or your Bickle. It takes away the element flank. of yep. surprise. And I think that should be gone because it makes the game exciting. When you think about COTS and the announcers, when they're announcing the game, they're like, oh, they don't see the Kleber rush coming. And it's like, it's just exciting. And then, you know, they, they move their cameras to there to see if he can pull it off. Like, like moments like that, it, they're, it's just, they don't, they won't happen as much in a CV match yep. because it, it's the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. And I just don't think it's as exciting. So that's what I would suggest. I would suggest that CVs can't spot at all. They can only strike already spotted targets. That so would be I, interesting. It must be interesting. So. And, you, and you briefly hit on something that I've always said since the beginning. A lot of people operate under the misconception that the strongest thing that a CV brings to the table is its striking potential or its strike or the strikes itself, when it's really just the map control and the vision that a CV can bring. It makes it harder for exactly as you said, surprises to be pulled off. Something like a DD skunking around. Um, it it just really sh shines a flashlight into the night. You know, 
We, yeah. we see that in randoms, a CV. Yes, you can build an interceptor build, and look, I've done it as a troll, but most CVs will drop a fighter to either spot for themselves, his name's Mr. Cooney and I help the team, or a better CV player will drop a fighter where multiple ships of your team will focus something isolated, and it, the CV can strike, and then the plane's up for 60 seconds, and your team continues to farm that vessel down. Thank you, Pikachu, for discussing CVs. I, look, we, we could go on for a lot. I, I appreciate that you came on to the podcast with Greeny and I. We, we don't want to be negative Nellies. Um, like, I, I, I'd love to see CVs in Clan Battles as well to a, form, to a format where they're not brokenly strong and make it unfun to play. Because you don't want your Clan mates to rage quit when they're picked on by a CV and then no one plays Clan Battles. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'd like a, an, see, I, I'm, I'm, as I've said before, I'm a fat history nerd. Uh, I love the introduction of naval aviation into the, into the naval doctrines. I love carriers from an air, uh, from a historical perspective. Uh, it's just in the game, they don't, I don't believe the interaction's healthy. Uh, and I'd like to see that changed because I love seeing ships like the Enterprise. I love seeing, seeing ships like the Essex, please bring it back. <laughs> Uh, you know, I like Bogue, stuff like that. I love all of those carriers because, again, those are things that you can, in some instances, go and see. And in, in, in other instances, you know, you can read up on the history. I love that. But, yeah, um, yeah when I get Goomba stomped by a CV, I'm not thinking that. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll touch upon CVs again. So thank you for answering those questions, Pikachu. But going back, we, we had a, uh, for, for thanking people for 20 episodes, we had a event of show me your deck picks the best deck picture in game would win a tier 8 vessel or lesser of the winner's choice greeny who did you pick to be our winner so it was a tough competition between grant posting multiple pictures of a cat on a gun barrel <laughs> posting a picture of a, a a deck on a deck i almost made a pussy joke but i decided against it and then Bex also posting a salty interaction he had with somebody, telling him to, quote-unquote, go to hell with your BS boat, you MFR. It was very, very, very tough competition. However, the first submission that we got, I thought was very nice. And once again, it was a, a, a ship during an engagement. Um, but I, I am going to have to award it to Edward Pello. The, uh, I think it was one of the first ones we actually got. It's a it nice was. picture of his fdg crip walking i believe up i forget the map but he he gets a ram kill there's a fire the ship looks wonderful so uh i think that he is our winner uh, that was a good pick he had a bit of fire the guns were firing uh, i don't know if he's that look look it is a good picture but congratulations to edward there Yep, reach out to myself or Griefer and we will be uh, more than happy to get you acquainted with your boat. Correct, but we're moving on. Um, there's been a few things came out in the dev blog in the last fortnight, or two weeks for those that are heathen. Dockyard! Mm, leave that there. Dockyard coming out in 11.7, so that's about four and a half, five weeks away. We're getting the return of uh, the first original Dockyard boat, the Puerto Rico. This event will run for 11 weeks through two and a half patches. So 10 weeks of emission chains. You can obtain 34 of 40 stages for free. 
the Huron, the new um, Commonwealth Destroyer, will be attained at level 25. Each stage, if you want to complete the Puerto Rico, will cost 1,750 doubloons to complete. So I, I honestly recommend that you get a booster pack. Usually you get a 8 or a 3. Don't know what combination they'll do it now, but if there's 6 stages and you want the Puerto Rico, I would buy those because the booster stage packs are cheaper than buying 1750 per level at the end. Now, if you do buy all the booster packs, as some people do, um, you'll get 250 steel per extra level unlocked for the Puerto Rico stages. Gentlemen, do either of... I own the Puerto Rico. I went through the original grind. Do either of you own the Puerto Rico? Yes, I do. I do not. But well. I'm going to get it for this dockyard. It's a tier 10. I must say, it's a very solid boat at tier 10. The guns are good. Um, it, it's got good enough armor. It's got trolley armor. It's good at kiting and pushing. It's got 10 kilometer radar. It's, it's got all the tools that you'd expect of a US heavy cruiser. I, I highly recommend obtaining this vessel. I, I do as well. The Puerto Rico was... A wonderful ship to play at tier 10. I haven't touched on her in a bit, but that's just because I've been grinding a lot of lines, so I, I haven't been able to really just kind of relax and play boats I want to. But yeah, you you hit all the nails on the head. She is she has a nice belt. She has nice plating. She has um, four triple 12-inch gun turrets. Granted, it's not the battlecruiser uh, dispersion that Alaska has so a lot of people kind of see that and get turned away unfortunately or fortunately rather not unfortunately fortunately it does have 2.2 sigma which can and will surprise people I have dev struck Yoshinos at max range with these guns do not sleep on these guns and like another thing that I'd just like to briefly add is the is the fact that a lot of these recent dockyards have been not anywhere near as hard as the puerto rico so it, this Correct. is something that i think will be easily obtainable and yes i recommend buying the booster pack. E even looking through the mission chain like five out of say seven per week you can do it across any class through ranked co-op whatever mode they have and it's only one we have got to get like at the level 10 it's like thirty-six thousand base xp in a destroyer cruiser battleship or aircraft carrier and to be honest when you unlock all the others you probably already have half of that through a particular line that you prefer. The original one asked you to get 40,000 base XP in a Soviet DD or a US cruiser, and that was only for one stage. So if you need to unlock six to get through that weekly stage, each one was a particular class of vessel for a particular nation. That was brutal. Especially for base XP or commander XP or free XP. It was like 110,000 free XP. It was... Those ones you put on flags, but some of them were really, really brutal in the original one. The other... But, the other whoops, sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say the other thing that I think is very much worth mentioning about this event, uh, if you were fortunate enough to, uh, to be like myself and Griefer and already own the Puerto Rico, they are offering... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to call them full reimbursements, but it's essentially they'll give you the uh equivalent currencies for a tier 10 ship so yeah they, they, they said they, they called it they called it a certificate so if you own it and then you complete the puerto rico there'll be a certificate which is probably going to be in your a armory. really good deal like that even is. if you were supposed to spend your because they'll do like a, a a starter pack right for the dockyard where you yes. get a discount so yes. if you do that and do all the stages you, you're going to get you could get your doubloons back plus some 
Correct. Like a, that's a really good deal. And so, I, I really, I really like that. And I think that Wargaming's trying to make good on the Puerto Rico fiasco. <laughs> they don't want this one to go like the no, last time no. the Puerto Rico was in the dockyard. So yeah, as Greeny said, if you do own the Puerto Rico, you get a certificate. You can get up to thirty-five thousand doubloons, thirty-three thousand steel. This is for tra uh, trading in certificate. It's only one of these, so thirty-five thousand dubs. 33k steel, 63,000 research points. So that in itself, between the steel, that's a tier 10 boat. Um, the dubs can get a couple tier 9s. 264,000 coal. Now, I know here, don't get the coal at all. If you want the coal, get the 33,000 steel and convert that yeah, steel well, into coal because you, <laughs> you can get 300. Because you can get 330,000 coal from your 33,000 steel. I, I don't know why yeah. Wargaming didn't do that. That's just simple math that people can see straight straight from the get-go. I can get a Marceau easier and I don't have to convert anything if I you just know, get the coal. The research points, that could be pretty good too. 63,000 research points. That's five resets. That That is, but I... I, I any that's boat. a really... That's a pretty good deal. If you don't own five lines, though, if you haven't unlocked the research bureau, I wonder if you could get that in, or is that only available to you if you have the research bureau unlocked? Generally, you'd think if you were here and you got the PR years ago, you'd have more than five lines unlocked, though. Yeah. Yeah. I could get. I could grind out the Puerto Rico again, and then get a Goliath or a Gibraltar. <laughs> that would be incredible. I, I've got all the research. I'll probably go for the steel, and I'll end up at something like a hundred. I'm at one hundred thirty-one thousand steel. I have, I have first world issues here, steel shortage. Um, I'm leaning to get a hundred and seventy steel again. Then I'll get my Mecklenburg. Why don't you just buy it now? No, I like to hoard. Um, but okay. I, 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 I agree with Greedy. I think it's actually rather generous of Wargaming. I expected some rewards, but what the, what they're putting here... if you 5,000 doubloons. Yeah, <laughs> what, what they actually put out here is super generous. And if you yeah. do buy all the multiple booster packs at the start, which I generally recommend if you've got the funds, each extra stage of the Puerto Rico that you complete will give you 250 steel. Generally, you get about 2,000 steel because it'll be eight stages. I don't, that pales in comparison to 33,000, though. Yeah, it really does. If you have the Puerto Rico, you'd be a fool not to take advantage of this. Correct. Uh, uh, even for the sake of just getting 35k dubs or steel, it's, it's giving you a free T10 vessel for something you've really ground out and... Oh, hats off to them because that that is that yeah. is way more generous than I expected. I, I was expecting some form of compensation, but nothing to the to the degree that we are fortunate enough to receive. Yep, but we also we got a, a clan battle season eighteen. It's starting in a month, August fifteenth. Clan battle season eighteen, August fifteenth to October third. This this brought a smile to my face. CVs remain unemployed. They have to go around with caps in hand, asking for steel handouts for their clan or other clans to let them play a surface a vessel. Now they have reduced the. They have reduced the number of players to 6v6 due to play feedback. I think Clan Battles is slowly dying, unfortunately. And this is at Tier 8. Do you think we'll get three Mercs? They, they haven't mentioned Mercs at all. Do you think, um, gentlemen, that Clan Battles is failing? I'm not sure about the EU or Asia, but on NA it seems very stale. 
now when i first joined back in season two there were so many clans in typhoon um and storm there, there was a dearth and lately you could just pick the names season after season after season and there are no real standout groups sometimes you get a new group forming from good players from elsewhere but it, it really feels like it's it's falling over as i said earlier um the competitive scene can't support the game. And I think we're just kind of seeing that with, with this change here, not, and granted, this isn't a problem. I don't think that this is a problem strictly limited to clan battles because unfortunately, uh, there's been a lot of player fall off, even in randoms. Um, I, I think that it's honestly just a, we're, we're in a little bit of a luller where uh, the game's throwing out more players than it takes in for lack of a better term. But, um, tier eight, that that Lennon's coming back, baby. Are we Lennon. ready for the Lennon and the four Akazuki comp? Let's go. No, no, no. Akazuki's got beaten. Do you want know well, we'll talk about that. Best and worst ship choices. Lennon was strong. Raider Edinburgh was strong last time we played it. So was Heel, Kiev, and Otago. I would like to see, and Pikachu, this is for you. I would love to see the Tone, the tier 8 Japanese oh. cruiser. 203 oh. millimeter guns all at the front. It has an 8.8 oh. kilometer detect, 10k torps, two racks. It has a heel, and every two minutes that it has a set a of four idea. planes. Thank you, Cypher. Thank you. CV I am no are... longer unemployed. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say. Part time now. Part time. I am part time. Thanks, Gryfer. You can stick no. Dude. You can stick nose into an island. Use your forward turrets only. Wait, to... Tone gets torps too, right? Torps? Yep. It, it's yep. but it's got yes, traditional. Yeah. It's got traditional yes. Japanese torp angles. So yeah, if you're kiting, and torps it... do citadel damage. So that's what I'm talking about, baby. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> and the Tone gets a heal as well. So if you take damage, you can heal it up. Yeah, it's like CV proof. <laughs> For those having no CVs. A surface ship, they'll probably Look, die, but not if you give them a heal. We, 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 talk, we talked about the vision around. game. We talked, I, I would, having, having a toenail to launch planes every so often for vision or striking at a low hit point vessel that's gone out of reach, in my opinion, yeah. would be huge. That will be because clans will not be building for clans will not be building for anti-AA. No, they won't be. So Tony would be strong. So Greeny, what do you think? Lennon for you, Tony for me. me. I'd say Tony for me is probably the best pick. So it's a two v one, Greeny. So your opinion, it's wrong. What would be the worst ship choice? We're not even going to touch Tiger 59. Two two against one, bro. Like, you can make all the counterpoints you want. Me and Greifer said this, and you said that. So, sorry, you're wrong. You're going to need to go get in two other people into this uh, podcast. No, no, don't don't, 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 don't offer him that. He'll he'll do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I will. Counterpoint. (laughs) I'm I'm never wrong. There we go. I won. (laughs) There we go. Did you use that when you went to court? And guess what? I only had to pay a two hundred and fifty dollar fine in something called community service. I got off scot free. But you were never <laughs> wrong, still. You held to your story. Yeah, I'm never wrong. I don't need witnesses, Your Honor. I'm my own witness. <laughs> hey, one thing uh, uh, that came to my mind, Greifer, is mm. uh, so for the last two years, 
see the time frame, like the August time frame, is when they did the tier six season. And yes. if you remember, they put this out on the dev blog, but this this August to October time is when they have gotten the lowest turnout of clan battles. Like it's where it, they get the biggest dip for show ups. And that's why they said was their reasoning why they did tier six. But I tier think six would have learned... been fine, but double CVs is what broke a lot more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the season before that was a CV. And I yes. think what they've learned from their mistakes that we're not going to do tier six again and we're not going to do CVs again for our lowest show out of a season. So that's why I think they did 6v6 so that it's easier for clans to put a team forward. You now need six people instead of seven. And they, I think they did tier eight so that it's more easily accessible. I, right? I, would, love, I would love to guess. see, I would love to see a Lennon or an, look, Borodino, I will even say some clans will pick. It, it's guns actually work for a sixes. It's got 12 kilometer radar. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't have the limit. Does it have limited DCP like the Lennon? I can't recall, but um, I'll check. The the targo is going to be strong, Kiev. We got not. we got a lot we got a lot of DDs. Le Terrible was run really effectively by some groups last time in ambush mode. Two or three, they would pick off a Kiev or something like that, or Edinburgh. Um, but I, I really think a toenail two and having the ability to not only drop but imagine doing cross drops with two toenail squadrons uh -oh. at the same time. Oh, bro. Do you own that boat picker? If not, no, I bet you're picking it up. <laughs> I got my doubloon coupon. Good work. Good work. So look, Clan Battle Season 18, something different. Smaller group, 6v6, just to really reiterate that. But the question is, are we going to get three mercs or two mercs? Um, moving on. Brawls. Mm, I haven't... Brawls haven't been my personal favorite um because for me there's no rewards the carrot's just not worth my time and value so i stick my time into ranked but we're having three weeks of brawls the first week is 12v12 versus uh, 12 versus 12 bbs only week two is at tier four four ships versus four ships of all classes week three again is at tier four ships of three versus three no mention of divisions. Is it 12 divisions, 4 divisions? Because you'd think a 4-man or 3-man division at Tier 4 might be fun. I might do the Tier 4 ones just because I never played Tier 4 and taking out my Imperator Nikolai might be fun. Gentlemen, have any thoughts, interest, or it's just brawls and you'll just skip it? Well, Tier 4, tier four you can have CVs, and if you think Tier... 10 CVs are bad. I know, well, T4. T4. Tier four carriers. Yeah. <laughs> tier 4 what, carriers are like the biggest, like. Seal clubbers. Tier, tier 4 uh, carrier uh, influence is like literally double that of a tier 10 carrier influence. It, you can't, you can't get There's deep. There's no points. AA. Yeah, your restoration's insane. Uh, the, uh, your, like, like, with a single squad you can kill a full health cruiser with torpedoes with some of the CVs. Which would be your CV pick? Which one drops the double C torps at tier four? Uh, I can't remember. So I, I, I like Ranger. Ryujo is solid. But they're, tier six, they're, tier six, they're tier six. They're tier six. They're tier six. We're talking oh, wait, tier four. Tier yes. What's the tier four American? Uh, Langley. Langley's good. And then what's the tier four British? Hosho. No, that's the Those Japanese. Really oh. Oh. Yeah, Japanese. Oh. Japanese. Hosho's good. <laughs> 
um, I thought it, the Hermes is the UK one. That's Griefer. bad. Yo. That's a bad one. And the Russian one's bad too. Griefer. The I yes. you said he was a CV expert. He is, but he doesn't Bro. play anything beneath tier 6. Tier 6... Yeah, I, I don't even play tier 6 either. I, I play tier 10 primarily. If you want to get good at CVs, you go to tier four to seal club as Pikachu just shows he yeah. does. The but only reason why I do it is to is when I reset a carrier line, when I reset the midway. I, I, I if you want to get good at CVs, I recommend tier six to fine tune some drops, but tier eight is where you sit at to really yeah. learn when to strike isolated vessels and it teaches you not to fly, fly your planes into death blobs. Yeah, and the, the American line is incredible i recently learned a little bit of cv the american line was fucking fun throughout the langley was great the ranger was great the lexington was great the midway's great united yeah. states is great i i should tell you this story greeny we, we mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast that greeny had a day off um from school he spent that day practicing at cvs now he's a math teacher dabbles in the game world of warships and they they were known to be aware of each other's interest in the game and when he had the day off the math teacher looked up his um playing stats for the day and the math teacher recommended to greenie that he should not play cvs because he's not that good at them <laughs> i was playing this is just when i first started learning and i did like i played like 20 30 bjarn games yeah, just because I was trying to get used to the skip bombers, the dive bombers, because I, bev, up before I had actually put my head to the grindstone and started to learn, I hadn't touched CVs. I think I played like two Enterprise games when Griefer pays or makes me do it on stream. That's really <laughs> about it. So I, I, yeah, I had like three days where I just locked myself in tier six and exactly what griefer said happened my teacher took a look at my wow's numbers page and he was like yeah you took a day off you're just chilling out i was like yep i am um, teaching myself cv and he was like yep you should uh either learn more or not play the class have a nice day michael <laughs> i was like fucking it's even worse fuck? it's even worse the way Grinny says it because he goes the, the gentleman that's telling him is a new mexico main and the bb main and new mexico and jory he's got like 900 new mexico games so wow. Yes, Greeny. Don't play CVs. But moving on, economy changes are coming this week as part of 11.6. We should all be aware of it. Um, there is a calculator that shows you what you can get converted. I, look, we, we're, we're all pretty aware of this. We're, we're aware of what's happening and so forth. We're not going to be shortchanged. What I think people are going to probably misunderstand is that if you were running an Asian Lantern camo that gave you base XP of 444, whatever it is, getting that equivalent in the new system, if that makes sense. So if you're running Type 59 camo, or if you're running... Because now the temptation will be for every game to max load your ship with all these bonuses, and that's not what the previous camos did. So I would recommend people to just be careful, not overload your ships, because you're going to waste these new bonus values very quickly if you do that. I there's one thing I don't fully understand with it. Um, I get the where you get to choose whether if you want to use a bonus for credits or for commander or whatever. And like actually looking at it, it looks like to me you can actually grind up quicker to a uh, a tier ten ship because definitely definitely you you can invest more into XP more than you ever could because like in the old Correct. way. 
you couldn't do it as extreme as you can right now with uh, so, with camos. So I'm now sharing you can get a sixteen hundred. Yeah, I'm sharing my screen in Discord with Picker. So you can get a 1600. I believe you can merge in the first couple of weeks. You can merge and unmerge some of these. So at most okay. for XP, we'd see a lot of 50% XP, but the minimum that we're going to get is 100 now. Um, then yeah. you get plus 200. So I'm going to get 7,500 plus 200s. Plus, plus 800 and plus 1600. This is just a base XP. So then when you apply that 800, if you do an 800 commander, and a 2400 free XP, that would be huge. I think you can only select one at a time, though. Like, you can only choose credits, XP, commander XP, or free XP. You, you could, correct? but you'd be, you'd be able to pick which one you want. So I could pick yeah. the 20% the credits. Yeah. You could pick 1600, 1600, and 7200. So you could pick yeah. one credit, one XP, one commander, and free XP. The question oh. that I still have is whether I can then combine these into multiple 800s without having a cost associated with it further yeah. down the line i guess we'll find out but the thing yeah. i don't fully understand is permanent camouflages because a lot of people invest money like they spend five thousand doubloons buying yes. a permanent camo and what and that gives a unique bonus because it lowers the service cost so what happens to permanent camos? Permanent camos are still there. All ships are being buffed with the with the cost to the dispersion and the concealment. So every ship gets that now inbuilt. So it's being removed from all camouflages. Um, the permanent camouflages will still give you your bonuses to credits and XP, I believe, because now in future, if you don't own a permanent camouflage, to get the same effect, you've got to buy two camos. One's the visual camouflage for the ship and the other one's the economic bonus so say a tier 10 it cost 5000 um it will cost a little bit more to get the tier 10 equivalent to get what you get now uh. so it doesn't cost the same it will be like 4000 probably for each i don't i don't have that i haven't looked that up but there's going to be an increased cost that's why I'm buying today the permanent camouflage using my clan battle token for the USS Black because it gets that 150 um, bonus commander XP to the Black and that will be gone post this. This is why I recommend people if you've got the key or the Roma buy the Kobayashi camos because those bonuses post this patch will be gone. Interesting. That's dropping this week, so we'll have fun with that. <laughs> um, this week is also coming Royal Navy Battle Cruisers, Titans of Industry, early access from tier three to tier ten. Um, there, there's another event where three British dockyards, Chatham, Ellswick, and Clyde Bank, you get to choose between which shipyard to decide to lend your support, but um, each one will only provide you a unique reward. These will be captains, etc., etc. Um, we, we've done these before. I, I don't really see much hype about that other than you're going to get early access to some vessels. You'll get tokens probably for completing certain special mission chains and this will allow you in your armory to unlock those tier 3, 4. I would like them to actually skip an early access and allow us just to grind through from tier 3 because someone got me to play a tier 4 boat the other day and oh, there were boats in the game. I had no idea what nation they belonged to. I, I just couldn't recall their name or what they did 
so yeah we get that i think the french one's complete uh we're going to get full access but again the, these early access events running two or three patches no one remembers so i do we get the french heavy cruiser line completed i think uh, we should get it this cycle yeah they, they just run too long two patches was okay three three patches to unlock a line is too long it's um, it's very it's very cash grabby ish um oh. I, i'm not a big fan of it as well it's just a time but any any fanfare for me to get to the tier 10 is long gone because it's like it's in the game don't care um that, that may be very flippant of me but i'm not i haven't been a f big fan of the french heavy cruisers so i am looking forward to the british uh royal navy battle cruiser line or the alternate battle bb line i'm really looking forward to this line um so i from from reading about them they're going to be agile large caliber guns uh, weak armor but they have torpedoes I, i'm personally excited i am really looking forward to this line um thoughts on these both gentlemen Uh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm really looking forward to the uh, to the French heavy cruisers. I. I think they're gonna be fun. You mean the Royal and Navy, Royal Navy, or French? Looking forward to both. Uh, <laughs> as we see, you know, little precursor in the history section. I'm. I'm. We're going over the G3s, which are uh, proposed British battle cruisers, and I. I'm a big, big, big fan. I. Hate the English because I'm Irish. I have to, but I'm a big fan of of the Royal Navy and its development of ships throughout mm. history. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. A lot of the camos we've seen have been cool. I really want that in comp camo, even though Griefer thinks it looks terrible. Okay, oh, that looks again. terrible. That looks I'm terrible. Right. So. That does look terrible. I don't care because it's not a carrier. CVs are superior. It's longer <laughs> than a carrier, so better. Ergo, more ship. Um, model updates are coming uh, as well. This patch 11.6, so it's the long-awaited USDD model update. Um, two and a half, three years since they said it would come, but it's finally here. Um, we're looking forward to getting some of those lower to mid-tier ones. Now, this is a PSA, in case you read the dev blog. So the game's minimum system requirements have been increased. So full support for DX11 Shader Model 5 is now required. Now, uh, you probably think, oh, crap, but the, what they're still asking is pretty low-end, in my opinion, but the minimum required video cards are now a Geoforce GTX 460, Radian HD 5770 or Intel HD graphics of 4000. Um, if your video card is older or prior to those ones, the game will not run on those cards. So that, that's a bit of a PSA that was hidden in the dev blog. Now, oh, when I started playing the game, I was, I was on a 1080. Um, I'm running a 3080 now. Um, but I know there'll be players that run on these systems. So if, if your card is older than that, Try and look at upgrading if you if you do enjoy the game and want to continue playing it. Because uh, especially now, because all the crypto fucking all the cryptos drop, so cards are actually a reasonable, relatively <laughs> reasonable price now. You don't have to be. Uh, I'm gonna spend twelve thousand Australian didgeridoos or whatever on a thirty series. 
You love it. You love it. Um, we get a new vessel this week, coal vessel, the T9 Japanese battleship, the Iwami. She has a four by two, 410 millimeter guns, the Zumo guns or the Heizen. She does have access to 20 kilometer torps. Really good angles if you're kiting. These torps are located <coughs> at the stern of the vessel. Think of a Grash Bay rear angle torp, but really horrible forward torp angles. So that's why I say they're good for kiting out. Um, the, the guns, you get more on the Heason. The guns do work. She has a bit of a soft arm scheme, 32mm nose. She does have a protected rear arm about. Her sides are weak. Um, she's secondary built. She gets 20mm uh, secondaries and 152s. They have really high pen. I didn't put IFHE, I know one of our listeners did, and I was watching, um, he, he got the 20mm guns, sorry, the 100mm guns up to 37mm of pen on the secondary boat. It doesn't have the armor scheme, I think, to get in close, but look, I, I don't rate this boat, but the few times I've played it, it has been a fun game. The Torps have an atrocious 2.5km detect, so if you hit something with it, that's more upon the opposing player. Um... What do you guys think? Did we need another 410mm Japanese BB at tier 9? Like, we've got the Izumo. I hate that. The Heizen, I like. That's got three, four turrets of three barrels, so 12 barrels all up. Do you think the game was ready for a secondary build, Izumo-style type of hull? Not hull, but Nagato-style, where you've got two turrets at the front, two turrets of the rear. Interest? Do you guys have an interest in this vessel? Uh, it's not a carrier, so no. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> Would you be interested in in um, submarines if they launch planes, Pikachu? Yes. If it was a hybrid, then I would be really interested in it. But I, you know, I still think it's it's very interesting looking at it from a, a naval design standpoint. You kind of really just summed it up there. It just looks like big Nagato. Uh, with like mass secondaries because I think I don't know if you mentioned this because my dorm Wi-Fi is all over the place but uh, I think it does get mass secondary dispersions so if you get into a position where you can utilize those secondaries they will they will fucking go but um, you've got to protect your hull your hull is squishy yeah. uh, but it's I not don't know I've, I haven't played her so I can't really give any any tips or any tricks or any real insight other than what I've seen and what I've heard I've played a few games. Oh, look, I have had fun playing with her. The guns have been surprisingly accurate. Um, I, the Heason I find accurate. The Zumo's been a hate-hate relationship, but I actually enjoyed my couple games. My first game killing it was against a Nevsky. I shot the main guns. It was low um, after we dueled, and funnily enough, my secondaries got the kill before my main guns. So I, I, I mocked it, and then my first kill was a CQE. Um, yeah, look... I'll, I will play it a few more times. I will come back and touch upon the Awami after, after a few weeks in randoms, I think. And I'll even take it out into rank to see how she performs. Mm. But moving on, we've got Greeny's history segment. What are we looking at this week at Mr. Green? So, because once again I'm perfect and I was prepared um, I actually decided to pull out the G3 and the N3 class of battleship and battle cruiser that the Royal Navy was designing up to the Washington Naval Treaty. Um, if 
those those of you who are longtime listeners to the podcast will know that the initial history section that I did was on the Washington Naval Treaty. And this is very interesting to me because these are some whack-ass designs that Britain was pushing out um, pretty much right up until they signed the treaty. And they're like, okay, we can't build these. So the, the G3 and the um, N3 that you mentioned, are these in-game or are they... Are they hypothetical? These are, granted, there was many, many, many designs under the G3 and the N3 kind of design premise. Uh, yep. that, the main differences was the armor, the firepower, and the power plant. Britain really was all over the place. There were designs with quad 20s and a 24-inch belt. There were designs with high-velocity, quote-unquote, 15s and a 14-inch and a, and a belt. These were a very, very wide design concept. We are getting them in-game in terms of the Tier 9 and the Tier 10 in the upcoming Battlecruiser line. Oh, the excellent. Tier 9... If I remember correctly, it's the Duncan is a G3. And uh, we, we've got a the, bottle shop line down here called Duncan. So every time I hear that name, I feel like I've got to go to Bodlow and grab a six pack of beer. We've got Duncan Donuts up here. So it's the same thing. <laughs> every time I see it, I just get hungry. I want a Duncan Donuts or something. I want a crawler. But um, yeah, these were the, and I believe the N3 is going to be the tier 10 because the N3 was the larger quote-unquote slower, more heavily uh, armored and heavily armed version of the G3. Um, some of the unique design characteristics of the G3 were the fact that all of the guns were located, quote-unquote, relatively forward on the ship. Um, they stuck a lot of the power plant, a lot of the other supplementary second secondary machinery pretty much in the aft section of the ship. They put the two guns forward, like you see on a typical uh, warship, and then they put a bridge slash conning tower slash radar mast slash fire directory tower, and then they plop the third turret right behind it. Um, that creates awkward firing angles because it, it actually goes back to something that the Royal Navy had moved away from, which was amidships turrets, um, because they didn't like the firing arcs that they were getting. A lot of the battle cruisers had, they called them waste turrets, uh, turrets on either side of the hull, uh, directly on the side of the ships, uh, like the Queen Mary and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they moved to more center line with battleships like the Royal Oak and the Orion. And then they moved away once they got to more of the 15 inch gun arm battleships, uh, the QEs, stuff like that. And they really like the ABXY uh, layout. And then somebody, I guess, in the Admiralty Design Bureau snorted a metric shitload of crack and <laughs> then just decided to go back to amidships turrets and this layout. <laughs> yeah, because I've got the Duncan up in Discord. Don't know if you can see this on from shipstool.st. You can see the AB turret very forward and then you got the X turret. So firing forward angles look all right, but kiting away angles look like you're gonna have to show a little bit of um your side especially getting that first turret into play it, it reminds me a bit of the lion's turrets it's not, it's not so favorable for coding but the forward firing angles is very nice yeah the, the the whole design premise was we wanted to keep a narrow profile while still being able to bring 
a good amount of firepower to bear. So that that number three turret, a lot of people assume that because it's an amidships turret, it has no firing arcs. Um, both as, as grief is showing right now, and I believe this is what ships.gg. Uh, ship tool .st. Ship tool, yeah, on ship tool, the the arcs are still good, and I can tell you historically the arcs are still pretty fucking good too. Um, and these were exceptionally large ships for the time. Mm. Um, they they were, uh, let's see, uh, they were, if I remember correctly, pushing fifty thousand tons, and the these were these were designs again in the. 1910s late 1910s that they were being designed um which is which is incredible when you yeah. when you stop to think about it because a uh, 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 arguably a comparable ship came out with the Yamato and that was in the 40s you know because these were fucking massive ships with they're large very very well designed ships Yep. Now I'm, I'm going to say, look, we've got these G3s, and something that they're going to be emulated in game is they're going to have torpedoes, underwater torpedoes, through the bow, through the nose of the vessel. Just so you're aware of equating, they, these go out 10 kilometers, and they do per torpedo roughly, without taking away your damage saturation. I mean, damage mitigation is 29,000 damage per torpedo. Sorry, Greeny, keep going. No, that that's that's really that's another great hallmark of these ships is they still retain underwater torpedoes, which a lot of the naval ships that a, um, a lot of naval designs at the time were kind of moving away from because you know having a lot of explosives packed low in your hull is not a good idea for any semblance of survivability. But yeah, no, in game two, yeah, thirty thousand damage on bow-mounted torpedoes. That's again um, in game. That means. Probably don't have to turn broadside to get these tor uh, torpedoes off, like a lot of other ships. You, you won't get drive-by um, torps, spot from this vessel. But if anyone thing goes to ram you, my god, it's yeah, going to be you can dicey. Just shit in their mouth. It's going to be incredible. Hey, Pika, this but, might be the vessel for you if you want to do a sit-on command. They can sit on you for ooh. torpedoes. Ooh. Call it the uh, the exclamation mark, Duncan. <laughs> Sorry, Greeny. Yeah, this. No, I, I was just going to bring up a few uh, contemporary designs here that were laid up by other nations uh, around the same time. We had the Lex. This was uh, designed roughly around the same time as the Lexington class battlecruiser, which we have a rough amalgamation of in game as the constellation. Um, except if you believe it, the Lexington actually has less armor than the constellation. <laughs> In, in, during its initial uh, design concepts. It's all about the speed and the guns. What's all oh, that's all it is. I mean, the the they were the Furious and the Glorious were originally battlecruisers. I don't know if you know. They had two turrets, each with a single 20-inch gun and I think like three inches of belt armor. And they ended up in a battle line, I think, during Jotland, and two of them got blown in half. So they, there was a lot of people running around with that same design and thankfully we moved away from it mm. uh -huh. and the amagi as well were, were being designed um because uh after the second world war a lot of people were really really capitalizing pushing the boundaries of uh both modern in in the time in the time 
modern the modern technologies of the time and, and modern capabilities of the time in terms of shipbuilding uh, ports to handle the ships and all that jazz the imagi is a beautiful battle cruiser in game yeah i i kind of like the lines on the duncan the g3 um the n3 just looks massive and too long for me but the the duncan i kind of like uh like if it is a if it is a g3 um but i'm also <laughs> crazy so i i like weird things you like the fr25 i have in good authority oh yes i love thank you mr mayhem thank you mm, lovely fr25 <laughs> all righty gents i must say thank you to our special guest pikachu and his lovely insight to world of warships from the cv point of view it's been a pleasure having you on sir hey I, thank you for asking me i'm uh I'm flattered. It's not every day that, you know, a hot, sexy Australian bearded man with like a long kangaroo tail, like invites me onto his show. So, you know, I appreciate it. Oh, I have wait concerns. A wait a minute. What? I have, I, I forgot. This is stupid green. Mr. Mayhem, I'm rescinding my thank you. You did not give me the FR25. Somebody else did. I, I want to get that out there. I don't want this to be another. Um, I don't want this to be another instance of of me misremembering something. But then you collected the the FR twenty five. He sent you for the balloons. Yes. Well, no, he didn't send it to me. Somebody else did. I'm trying to remember who sent it to me. I thought he did as well. He sent me a screenshot saying he did. Anyway, but thank you, Pikachu, for joining us. Congratulations to our sure. show us your deck pick in Edward. Oh wait, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, I'm schizo. He did. He did. He did. I'm Green. sorry, Mr. Mayhem. Greenie's Greenie's got memory loss. Too much Genshin Impact. Lovely to chat with you, Greenie, again. <laughs> we will we will be see you next week on the podcast. If not, we will see you in game. Stay safe and have fun in the game. Till then, thank you all.